change is coming to higher education. Some people are dragging their feet about it, and others are racing towards the finish line and being as creative as they can about the new model to serve the emerging student. The big question is, are these models effective? Can personalized, global, and affordable be achieved within these new models? Those are the big questions we bring to the table today. And joining us is one of the leaders of an effort that began as a project, scaled up to an institute, and recently became a fully accredited university. Today, we have a discussion with Chancellor Ben Nelson of the Minerva Institute, now recently accredited to become Minerva University. It has been recently called better and more selective than the Ivy League, but with a $16,000 sticker price. It attracts some of the best and brightest throughout the world, and 80% of students receive need-based financial aid. Minerva students combine active learning seminars on the forum platform with fully immersive experiences in seven global cities, Berlin, Buenos Aires, London, San Francisco, Seoul, Taipei, and Hyderabad. Let's go to Matt and kick off our discussion with Chancellor Nelson on the beginnings of the idea. We have higher ed changemaker, Chancellor Ben Nelson. He is the founder of Minerva, and he is now uh, designated as the chancellor. And we are going to have an amazing discussion with him around, one, what is Minerva? How did it become? And then we want to start talking about all the elements that is within his thought process around his courage you know, what is the future of education and higher ed, and all the things that we need to be thinking through. When I hear about change makers and, and bringing them to the stage here, one, I always think about people that are really transformative. And I always use words that I ask other people. So how do you describe Ben? And what are the things that, you know, resonate with you? There's a lot of confidence. You're a visionary courageous, a leader, dynamic. And I always thought those are really amazing conversations to, to have with people. And the one that stuck out to me was the courageous one, because I think what you are doing at Minerva, it took a lot of courage, it takes a lot of uh, guts to go up, up against the, the norm. And that's something that I'm, I'm really appreciative of, of what you're doing at Minerva. I like to start the first conversation around Minerva, and where did the idea come from? Can you tell us a little bit, in your words, what Minerva is? Sure. Uh, the, the, there are a million ways of describing Minerva, but perhaps the essence of understanding what, what Minerva and the Minerva movement is all about is an attempt to recenter education away from the rote transmission of short-term recall of knowledge basically cram for a test, pass the test, forget everything that was on the test that you theoretically have learned, uh, and instead recenter it on the application of wisdom. Basically change the way that human beings learn and grow so that they can apply what they learned in situations that are not 
the situations they studied, but instead are transferring that learning to new situations. And, and that is the crux of what a Minerva education is. It just so happens that there's a, a relatively broad consensus that education should be teaching these things. This is why every university in the world talks about teaching critical thinking and problem solving and all of that stuff. Um, the only problem is no other university actually does it. And so the, the, the Minerva approach actually takes everything that we know about the science of learning and has designed an entire institution around bringing that to life. And that's so amazing. So where did the idea come from? And what you see today at Minerva, is it what you thought you would see when you first started it? The, the initial idea, the seed of the idea actually uh, was ripped off directly from Benjamin Franklin. Um, if you really think about it, uh, when Benjamin Frank- Franklin started writing about education in the late 1730s, um, he envisioned a new kind of education uh, that would be necessary for a society where the sovereign is no longer the king or the cross, uh, but is instead in franchise citizenry. Uh, and he didn't articulate it in that way for quite some time, but ultimately his argument was that there needs to be a, an education that enables um, franchise citizens or free people to know the various disciplines or arts that allow them to be free or have liberty, um, also known as the liberal arts, which turns out has nothing to do with the humanities or poetry or, uh, or art history and has everything to do with what Benjamin Franklin called practical knowledge or what John, Thomas Jefferson referred to as useful knowledge, knowledge that enables you to be a free person not to be a subject uh, of another. And the, what we refer to today, or what some people refer to, psychologists refer to, is far transfer, the ability to take elements of knowledge that, are, that can be used in new uh, contexts, transferring that domain from where you learned it and apply it to others. And the entire basis of a representative republic, which we theoretically all occupy, is that you have an enfranchised citizenry that is wise. Uh, because otherwise, the ability to be free and self-governing uh, really doesn't work. Uh, and, and I think we, we, we've had uh, a number of, of examples in our recent history of what happens when you have an unwise population winding up uh, uh, generating uh, some policy decisions or pushing some policy decisions that have disastrous consequences. And, and, and that, to me, was really the origin story of Minerva. When I was a first-year student in college, I happened to take a course about the history of the American University and understood that that was the purpose of the institution. But at the time, and this was 20, more than 25 years ago, it had been 25 years since universities had effectively abandoned that as their mission. They still talked about it. They still called themselves liberal arts institutions. They still said, oh, you know, we do this, that, and the other. But they had no curriculum to speak of. You would show up to the university. You would take a whole bunch of uh, courses at random. We'd have a thousand course course catalog, 200 of which would fulfill a distribution requirement. You'd pick this, that, and the other. You'd call that an education, uh, and, uh, and you'd get your degree. And uh, that was not an education. And, and what's worse is that 
it was less so that this was damaging the individual, right? Especially in the Ivy League and at other highly selective universities. You know, you'd wind up, you'd go and you'd, you know, pass through your four years. You really wouldn't learn anything, but you'd still wind up getting jobs that you wanted to get. The, the, the loser in this, uh, in, in this equation was society. You were putting individuals who were fundamentally not educated in positions to make decisions that affect the lives of others. And to me, being an immigrant, um, I was born in Israel. I was not born in the United States, and I adopted this country as uh, as my own. I be, be, actually just became a citizen uh, a couple of months before starting this class. I I was horrified, and and I realized that unless the higher education system reforms and and modernizes uh, our approach, but but at least re- resumes the responsibility you used to have about a curricular approach to education. Um, our society is is going to be uh, on the verge of of collapse, and um, I spent four years trying to fix it as an undergraduate. Nobody cared. It didn't seem to be a uh, a problem that people resonated with. Uh, the United States was on the ascendancy. We won the Cold War. The Berlin Wall just came down. Uh, everybody was feeling good, um, but what they forgot was that the people who were leading us in every segment of society were ones educated in the old system, not in the new one. And, and, but I gave up. I didn't know what I could do. And years and years later, about 11 years ago, as I was starting to see the fracturing of society and uh, all of these issues kind of manifest themselves, I decided to, I had to do something about it. And I went back to that original idea and came up with the concept of Minerva. And I spent the first four months effectively designing what Minerva is today. But if you were to have a conversation with me in January of 2011, so this is before I had my first dime of funding, before I had a single employee, before um, Minerva was anything more than a concept, I could probably describe Minerva as it is today 85 to 90% accurately. Uh, and, And so unlike a lot of other Silicon Valley stories where oh yeah, you know, you kind of launch something, you see what happens, and then you iterate and you stumble upon what your uh, long-term uh, perspective is. That is not Minerva. <laughs> Minerva is a highly intentionally designed uh, system that we iterate on and improve every single year, but never strays from our core mission, never strays from uh, from what works versus what doesn't in education, which is you know largely proven, uh, and uh, and and really the entire model behind it um, has stood the test of time. Chancellor Ben Nelson is the founder of Minerva and a visionary with a passion to reinvent higher education. Prior to Minerva. Nelson spent more than 10 years at Snapfish, where he helped build the company from startup to the world's largest personal publishing service. Prior to joining Snapfish, Nelson was president and CEO of Community Ventures, a network of locally branded portals for American communities. Nelson's passion for reforming undergraduate education was first sparked at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, where he received a Bachelor's of Science in economics 
After creating a blueprint for curricular reform in his first year of school, Nelson went on to become the chair of the Student Committee on Undergraduate Education, a pedagogical think tank that is the oldest and only non-elected student government body at the University of Pennsylvania. This episode was recorded live on Clubhouse. Check us out at the Future X Tribe. It was produced by the Future X Tribe. Beyond Academics, and BNEXT Global. Executive Director and Chief Moderator, Matt Alex. Edited by BNEXT Global Media. Our music is by David Cutter. I'm Hector H. Lopez. We'll see you next time as we continue our discussions with the higher ed changemakers on the Future X Podcast.